I'm Pastor Scott, lead pastor of the river. We hope that you are blessed by what you hear on, on this podcast. We hope that God's word continues to have power in your life. And we pray that uh, God makes himself known. Thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the service. I was a little concerned that uh, those who are visitors here today wouldn't, uh, would be coming expecting to hear about Jesus and maybe having too much of uh, focus on Will Verhoof, but I'm sure glad the songs that we sang uh, so strongly focus on Jesus, and I hope that Jesus will be heard also in the, the message that I bring. Uh, this morning, it's, it's, it's a little bit like, I think, what happens in the men's ministry breakfast every month. There is a testimony, and as that testimony is spoken, it becomes so clear that God is at work. And uh, maybe that's a little bit how I hope it uh, feels this morning. I um, am going to read from Colossians chapter 1 and the verses 13 through 20. And this is a, a little passage that um, speaks to how God shaped me um, personally and for ministry. Uh, and before I read it, let me just offer a prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will direct and guide, that you will use this scripture and my words to speak to all of us this morning. It is um, you that we want to honor and praise. It's your spirit that we want to be here. And Lord, uh, in all of this, may you receive the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And here are those words that Paul writes to the church at Colossae. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There's a few notes. Not too many, not too many blanks to fill in this morning, giving you a break. It's a passage, though, that speaks to how God shaped me how I was brought into the kingdom, and how God moved me also to the ministry that I have been part of with the river and with other churches for almost 41 years now. The first thing I, w I just want to say to you is that I am redeemed. I learned early on that I was part of the community 
that I was one of God's children. I was baptized as a little baby. I grew up in the context of a Christian home. I heard again and again the Bible stories. I sensed the call of God on my heart to give myself to Jesus. And I did it in a variety of ways as I grew up. There were opportunities in places like summer camps to sort of do the fireside response to uh, the call to claim Jesus as Lord and Savior. I made profession of faith when I was a senior in high school at the Oskaloosa Bethel Christian Reformed Church, Oskaloosa, Iowa. I knew that God was at work. You notice how it's put in verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's God's work. It's God who is doing this. And I'm the one who hears it and accepts it with a believing heart. But I also soon learned that I was part of the body the body with the capital B, a poor, uh, that I was part of the, the church of which, as our passage says, Christ is the head. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that everything he might have supremacy. Christ is the head of that body. When we are believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're not isolated people. We find ourselves part of a connectional system. We find ourselves part of the church. From the time I can remember, I went to church morning, evening, participated in the ministries of that church, began to understand what little portion of that body I was part of. From the day I was born, I have been part of the Reformed part of that family with that particular accent called Calvinism. Understanding that it is God who does it. That particular accent on God's sovereignty, on God's powerful grace, on the work that God does in us. My little part of that body had to do with going to church, going to catechism classes, going to Sunday school, beginning to understand theologically what it looked like. Understanding that even as I went through the Christian grade school and the Christian high school and the Christian college, that I was part of this Christian Reformed church that had this particular look, that had this particular feel. When I taught new member classes, there was a point that we always looked at the family tree, the big family tree, and we just noticed how it divided up and the kinds of places that it went and the kinds of emphases that the different portions of the body had. And then we ended up with that reformed branch and looked at it and looked at it hard. And then I also found myself called to the ministry of reconciliation. I, I think that 
what happened in my context was the understanding that God calls all of us with our particular gifts to something. And that that something for me was to follow the route to becoming a minister of the Word in the Christian Reformed Church. And I'm trying to think back this week about what shaped me, how God shaped me for that. In part, I think, in my family, we regarded the minister as a, um, a man of God who had a high and holy calling, a person who was very important in the life of us and of the church. And I think we felt that as a family, um, um, not only me, I have uh, a half dozen or so of close relatives who are ministers in the Christian Reformed Church um, or in a related denomination. And, and I remember so much, so well, even being in college and thinking about this and having my college roommate, Dale Slings, just point out that it looks like God is gifting you for ministry. Dale also became a minister later on. Um, we retired this same year. And if you get the Acts of Synod and look at the list of retired pastors, there's my name, there's Dale Slings, there's my brother-in-law, Bernie Van E., who retired this year as well. And it's, it's such an interesting journey that I found God shaping me personally and for ministry and recognizing that this ministry of reconciliation isn't just calling people to be reconciled to Jesus Christ, but it's a big, big ministry. Uh, Christ is, and the passage, it's why I was drawn to this passage. It says, he is before all things, Christ is, and in him all things hold together. God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, making peace through the, his blood shed on the cross. So it's not just about that relationship with Jesus Christ, as crucial as it is, but it also has to do with how is Christ reconciling all things? It won't be completed, of course, until Christ returns. But... It's something that we are called to. How is Christ Lord of all things? How is he Lord, not only of me personally, but Lord in my marriage, Lord in, in my work, Lord in, my, in, in politics, Lord in education? What, what does that all have to say about that ministry of reconciliation for me? And as I grew in the faith and as I grew in ministry, I began to see more and more how huge that calling was. I want to now shift gears a little bit. Maybe we can dim the lights, maybe pull the shade, because I want to just show you. Ruth has put together some pictures and just some stuff um, that lets you see a bit of the story that I journeyed and that she and I journeyed together. And we have to sort of start at the beginning with that. Yeah, this is probably the oldest picture, 
that you'll see, almost 60, well, 66 years old, born Willem Verhoof. Willem Verhoof, November 21, 1947, into a Christian home, turned out to be the oldest of five children. Born, next slide, in the Netherlands, in a province called Utrecht. And um, next slide, literally in this house, which looks like an awfully big house, but you've got to realize that this is a house and a barn together. The house is at the front. I guess I was born upstairs, the middle dormer on the right, um, and, and my parents, post-World War II in the Netherlands, housing was, there was such a shortage of housing. My parents lived with their parents and some of my dad's siblings who weren't out of the house yet for two years. And that's why I was born there. My next brother was born there as well. This is a house in which the Verhoofs lived for generations. And there was something very heroic that happened during World War II by my grandfather that I learned about much later. Um, Nazi Germany occupied the Netherlands for about five years. My grandfather and grandmother were part of the resistance movement. They stored weapons secretly in the rafters of that shed off to the right. They hid Jews, Jewish people, in the haymow, the upstairs of the barn, so that they wouldn't be found. And they knew if they were found out, they would be taken out and summarily shot. But they did that. Next slide. I was baptized in this church. My parents, my family for generations were part of this church. A few years ago, Ruth and I went back, looked up our roots, visited the house where my cousin Willem Verhoof is raising his family these days. And this church is also, um, the sanctuary's at the front end, the parsonage is at the back end. It's a church, this is a, a, the front page of, of a, an an anniversary booklet that was produced about 25 years ago. So this church is now 150 years or so old. If you don't know any Dutch, the smaller letters just say the congregation of the Gerifemirde, the Christian Reformed Church in Bambrugge. That was the little town in which this church existed and that farmhouse uh, was nearby. I learned that I was part of many, many generations of believers. My mother's name was Griffioen. And she was part, her family was part of that church since the 1860s. My father was part of the, and some of you may be more familiar with this, of the Abraham Kuyper movement. Um, and he and his family, his family became part of this church in the 1890s. And when Ruth and I visited there, um, we attended a worship service with our siblings and there was my cousin, Willem Verhoof, sitting there in one of the consistory benches. He was an elder there in that church. Next slide. My parents immigrated in 1952 to the United States. And next slide, this is what we looked like then. Um, I'm on the right. My next brother is on the left. My little sister then is in the middle. And we immigrated because my father wanted to pursue the American dream. Next slide. We ended up in Oskaloosa, Iowa. 
and settled on farms around there. We moved a half dozen times as my father moved from being a farm hand to finally being able to own his own farm when I was a teenager in high school. This is a picture of what we looked like somewhere along the way. George has been wondering whether I had any hair at one point. I'm just demonstrating I had some hair. I'm in the middle of the back, uh, um, and, and uh, the fourth has joined us, my little sister right in front of me, Nellie is her name. And I grew up in that home. I grew up in a church, the Bethel Christian Reformed Church, went to Oskaloosa Christian School, graduated in 1961, Pella Christian High School, 1965. And we went off, then I went off to this little fledgling college called Dort College, Sioux Center, Iowa. It's part of the fifth graduating class in 1969. Looked something like this. Next slide. I had started dating this most beautiful girl on the campus. Her name is Ruth Van E. And a little hint, this is worth its weight in gold in premarital counseling. A little picture on the left, lower left, has both of us working in the commons washing dishes at Dort College. If you have your eye on a girl and you're wondering what kind of partner she'll make, find a way to work with her for a while. See whether she shows up at 6 a.m. to wash the dishes with you. Um, see what kind of work ethic she has. See what kind of partner she is. See how generous she is. Uh, Willie was her name for me back then. It's about time for your 735 class. They had 735 a.m. classes in those days. I'll finish up for you. I'll finish this. Smart, coming from a family much like mine, a farm family. And uh, I ended up marrying this woman um, back in August 1, 1969. So earlier this month, we celebrated 45 years. The Calvary Christian Reformed Church in Pella, Iowa. And uh, we went off to Grand Rapids, Michigan, these two farm kids. Our first experience was a great big city, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Settle into an apartment in the inner city of Grand Rapids, 69, 70. You have to think back into those yet days. A lot of turmoil, a lot of racial unrest. Think of Ferguson, Missouri these days, and just kind of multiply what was going on in those days in places like Grand Rapids and in other cities. Next slide, my brush with greatness. Seminary choir, all men, of course, in those days, is in the White House in Washington, D.C., with President Nixon front and center. I'm the guy on the right who isn't looking at the camera. I'm looking at the president. <laughs> Notice the date. This is in the Grand Rapids Press a week after this happened, May 18, 1970. We were there on Mother's Day of that year. Have you ever watched the movie Forrest Gump and seen some of the scenes about what Washington looked like in those days? This was the weekend. Vietnam War was going on, all kinds of protests. We had just bombed Cambodia 
all kinds of protests. Washington was filled with protests. As we rode the bus to the White House, we looked out the window and we saw fellow Calvin College students also protesting as part of this whole movement. It was quite something, quite something to live to. Calvin Seminary shaped and molded me in lots of ways, but it also involved some practical work. Next slide. One summer, we were in Grand Haven Second Christian Reformed Church. It was kind of an awkward time because the pastor really wasn't interested in having a seminarian there that summer. And Ruth was commuting back to her work in Grand Rapids the whole summer, where the deacons of First Christian Reformed Church had commissioned her to start a daycare center as a ministry to that changing neighborhood, that really mixed neighborhood in the Grand Rapids area. But it was a place where I learned, and, and this is what we looked like in those days, my beautiful leggy wife and me with some hair yet, George, and also studying, um, learning what it takes to get through seminary. It must have been awfully hot there in Grand Rapids. I'm sitting without a shirt on at, at the desk. And we ended up secondly. Uh, another summer, we were in Grand, we were in uh, Rock Valley, Iowa. And this was 1971, Trinity Christian Reformed Church. I was the very first pastor of that group that had just started the third church in Rock Valley. Learned what it took to make two sermons a Sunday and minister and connect with people. One of the ways I discovered it was pretty good that way was to be part of the church softball team. I did that for 30 years straight. I was pretty fast on the bases, but I had no arm. So they didn't quite know where to put me. Left field, usually. Least amount of damage that I could do. Then went off to, oh, studied some more. Licorice in my mouth. Um, getting nourishment. Went for, uh, to the first Christian Reformed Church of Sheboygan, Wisconsin for a year. Um, and learned what it meant to be part of a staff of a large Christian Reformed Church. Reverend Henry Exu was the pastor. He taught me a lot about how to preach well. Um, and it was there that our first child was born. This is our daughter, Lynn. I'm born right there at the end of that time and learning how to be a father. I graduated from seminary, was permitted to look for calls in the Christian Reformed Church, accepted the call from the Corsica, South Dakota Christian Reformed Church, 1973. Spent about four years there um, and added, oh, this is what we look like with our little daughter, Lynn, and there's a picture of the church building. I still have some hair there, George, but you can see it's going away. But that's our oldest daughter, Lynn, and Ruth and me. And others kept coming. There's little Paul, who's now in Calgary. And Rachel was born there, too. But we moved then to Cincinnati, Ohio, a historic church. And how God shaped me for ministry there was to just notice in this relatively small church, the only one in Cincinnati, we watched the big red machine, the baseball Cincinnati Reds play when Pete Rose was in his prime, Johnny Bench, those sorts of things. But this church had such diversity in its membership from the West Virginia Appalachia hillbillies all the way to the professors that taught at the university 
and the big wigs at uh, Procter and Gamble and at General Electric, and they decided that they could live and um, and worship together. It was quite a profound lesson for me. We moved here. Well, the family keeps growing. Oh, I have to show you another picture here. The next slide. Um, I'm teaching my son Paul how to mow my grass in the backyard. We lived in a neighborhood that also sort of expanded uh, my sense of what it means to be community. Roman Catholic and Jewish people populated that neighborhood in the Cincinnati area. And toward the end of that time there, about six years, little Joel came along, front and center, there he is. Rachel, now Mrs. Truer to some of you, on the right. My oldest daughter on the left, my son Paul above. And we ended up coming here to Redlands in 1982, Highland Avenue Christian Reformed Church. Balmy, California, um, lived in what's now the River House. Uh, it used to be the parsonage, much smaller, of course. And the family kept growing, and uh, here's what we looked like, little Joel and the rest of us, the kids going to the Redlands Christian School. George, I'm working on my mustache there. Um, you'll notice it's bigger there. And then um, we also played AYSO soccer. And all four of them ended up playing. This is on Moore Middle School Field where all the games were held in those days on Saturdays. There were practices to keep track of and wonderful games. Joel in this picture isn't playing yet. He's good at climbing the dirt banks that is around Moore Middle School. And uh, that's how he occupied his time. We also somehow, uh, I don't know that we were such uh, L.A. Dodger fans. George, these are probably free T-shirts that we picked up somewhere along the way. And uh, we're standing in what was our backyard. It's probably right about where Pastor Nick's, Nick Inthout's office is these days. And then we kept growing as a family. And the kids uh, learning what it also means to uh, be part of a pastoral family. I was learning not to use them as sermon illustrations anymore because that was kind of the critique I was getting back rather regularly and stopped doing that somewhere along the way or told them they'd get 20 bucks if I did use their names. We were here about eight years and moved to Denver, Colorado. Spent 12 years there with the Second Christian Reformed Church. And once again, in, in that scenario, God shaped me for ministry because there was another Christian Reformed Church real close by. And there was a whole community of pastors that met together regularly and helped each other grow in ministry. The next slide shows us kind of standing. Joel is almost as tall as me right there in the middle between myself and Ruth. And... Uh, Paul is in his kind of long hair stage. It got longer. It went down to his shoulders before he cut it back up. But uh, that's... He, and, and we were able to make some family trips. We went to visit relatives in Montana. This is in Grand Teton um, Park. There's a... Oh, 
looked like a great place to take a picture. Put the camera on a post. Set it to time to take a couple of pictures. We're waiting for the first picture to be taken. We're standing on this little floating dock. Rachel on the left is realizing that this thing is sinking slowly. None of the rest of us are aware of any of that. We're holding our ice cream cones. And then the second picture gets taken, and Rachel is pushing us off this thing before we end up in the water, in the icy cold waters of whatever lake that was. It was a, a great scene. Uh, we continued ministry in Denver. Next picture, front of the house that we lived in for 12 years, right across the street from the church. And the kids are, they all graduated from Denver Christian High School um, along the way. And... Uh, um, about the time the last one, Joel, graduated, God called us wonderfully, unexpectedly to come back after 12 years to Redlands and to become part of this growing congregation, to become part of a staff, to take a position that was pretty new to me, not as a solo pastor of a church, but as part of a staff, and I reported to um, a, a younger pastor it was Tim Spikester, first of all, learned so much from all of you in terms of worship. I, for the first time, Beth, learned contemporary songs and what contemporary worship looked like. Thank you for that. Tim Spikester and his focus on I am ruined, Isaiah chapter 6, as I stand before God, the Almighty God. I'm a man of unclean lips. I am among a people of unclean lips. And I'm in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Um, John Portinga learned so much from John Portinga in terms of systems in a church and how to just be uh, people that report well to one another. I learned so much from Scott Elgrisma. I learned how to preach in a different way, uh, the four pages method. Um, doing something that I had not done very well at all and that was take the Bible and give it some personal application. And I thank Scott for doing that. I also was privileged to become part of the, oh, here's a picture of us shortly after we came here. Our three oldest had found their spouses. And Joel has not found his Katie yet. Um, shortly after we came here, it, it took her coming here to become a teacher and it took Beth, Kim, and um, John to kind of help them connect together um, as they began to date. But here's our kids um, about the time we arrived back here. I, always, I also had the privilege of becoming uh, involving, being involved in the larger community. The next slide shows um, one of the times I was at the Synod, the General Assembly of the Churches, about a year ago with other officers standing there together. And that was also the year, 2013, where I had the high privilege of being there with both of my sons. So this is at Calvin College with Paul on the left and Joel on the right. And then the grandkids began to come one after another, after another, after another. And they became handfuls. Mark Leonard took this picture. This is uh, University of Redlands around, uh, what is it, the uh, administration building about three or four years ago. Tessa, you are maybe one year old here in this picture. 
and you are kind of pointing at a Genevieve that Oma Ruth is holding as well. That's Eden. Thank you. And we had the wonderful privilege also of baptizing grandchildren here. This is Dan Schenkel, Elder Schenkel, holding the bowl just before I baptize um, um, Laney. Thank you. <laughs> and the others are getting a feel for the water to see if it's kind of warm or cold or whatever it is. It was a wonderful experience. And then last summer, uh, most recent picture of us and our family, they're sort of grouped. My families on the left are Paula and Monique, who live in Canada with their three children, uh, Rachel and Greg with their three next, and then Lynn and Kevin with their two, they live in Denver, and Joel and Katie with their three, and they live here as well. And we got word recently, Bill Fernandez, that we may have another one coming along in February, so it's gonna, we're looking forward to that. Um, and finally, let me just say from both Ruth and me, thank you for blessing our lives. It's, it's been a wonderful journey. Here we go. Um, and what has been really wonderful on the part of the leadership here is that although we mark today the end of full-time ministry, that the church, the leadership is inviting us to stay on in a part-time, and if you want to see some of the details, you have to pick up that packet that's available for the um, congregational meeting that will be held next Sunday. Um, can you go to that next little thing? Um, my challenge to you, one of the things as I get to that is also had a wonderful little, had a wonderful staff meeting Tuesday. Uh, and what they gifted me was a little booklet, among other things, called Will Bucks. And it says to fulfill all your retirement needs. And in an even finer print, this money cannot be used at any other location than the river CRC but it felt awfully welcoming and wonderful to notice that they gave me a lifetime subscription to the banner <laughs> and a lifetime subscription to the Acts of Synod and a one-time rummage through the fridge for lunch. I have a reputation for rummaging through the refrigerator when it's lunchtime grabbing other people's food. If it isn't got a name on it, I figure. One week of making free a week coffee, a free lunch at St. Mary's. And they kind of know that St. Mary's Catholic Church gives a free lunch on Mondays, which I go to every Monday. So I can show this at the St. Mary's Catholic Church. One hour of loud noises, laughs, and yells in the office with no complaints from the staff. One time saying something goofy in staff and no one will make fun of you. Those kinds of wonderful, welcoming bucks that I can use. And so I, I'm not leaving you. I'm going uh, part-time, and it's, uh, 
it's uh, something that I look forward to as well, to continue to be with you, to be part of this fellowship, to be part of this congregation. And my challenge to you is to keep looking at your own journey and to be open to what God has done for you, that Christ has died for you, and to receive that with open arms and to recognize that you are then also part of a body, a congregation, a people that has a particular place and a particular mission and a vision. And what God is calling us to do is wonderful and great in this community. And then also look at what your part in that ministry of reconciliation could look like. That huge call that God puts on all of us. And you have a particular place in doing that. You have connections. You have gifts that allow you to carry on that ministry of reconciliation in your way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for thank you for uh, your work in our lives. Thank you for shaping and molding me and Ruth and our kids and grandkids. And thank you, God, for allowing us to continue to be here. And I pray, Lord, for good health, and I pray for opportunities to be of service for you, to be of a support to Pastor Scott and others of the staff, and to continue to give praise to you in all that I do and say, along with the rest of this family of yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Yes, you need a mic, Bill. No, I, can you hear me? On behalf of the staff, the council, and the deacons, we would like to present you this gift of your retirement. And I would like to thank you personally for all the years of service that mm. you have given to Riverdale mm. and the friendship I've had with you. <laughs> thank you, Bill. I'd like to invite the elders, family, and council I mean, uh, staff up here that would like to pray over Pastor Will. We were going to invite everybody who loves Will to come forward, <laughs> but uh, probably everybody would be up here. Got some kids coming up here, Russ. Oh, I yeah. See them. Yeah. <laughs> It's been the story of my relationship with you, Russ. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's offer a word of prayer. Lord, we are so much to be thankful for. Uh, we're thankful for your, your faithfulness uh, to, uh, to Will uh, through his many years of ministry. We're, we're thankful for Will's faithfulness to you as he's... Um, always uh, preach from your word, Lord. Uh, we're, thankful. we're thankful for uh, the support and encouragement that uh, Ruth has given Will through these uh, years as well. We're thankful for his family and the joy and love that they have uh, given him. We're thankful for um, the years of ministry that uh, Will has had and the, 
in the uh, places that he's touched from, as we saw Corsica and Cincinnati and uh, Denver and Redlands, Lord. Um, we're thankful for the ministry that he's given to Redlands in particular in the Highland Avenue Church and the river, uh, the lives he's touched. Uh, we're thankful for his caring attitude and his loving nature, Lord. Again, he's been involved in so many people's lives, and uh, we just are, are thankful for the ministry he's shown. But most of the Lord, we're thankful for, um, for when we see Will, we, we see Jesus. Hmm. Uh, he talked about this morning word about, uh, you know, that it would be about him. But we know that's not true. When we see Will, when he talks, when he cares, when he loves uh, people, when he preaches, we see Jesus, Lord, and we're so thankful for that. We're, and we're thankful that he's not going away, that he's still going to be a part of uh, our church, Lord, and, and touching lives as well. So, Lord, we give you all the thanks and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope that you are blessed by what you hear. Maybe you're checking out our website more and seeing things that you uh, are wondering whether or not you might want to participate in them. Feel free. Contact us in the office. Give us a call. Send us an email. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Love to answer any questions that you have. Thanks for checking us out.